CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... about marriage, Miguel Cervantes defines it as a noose. The Greek philosopher Menander calls it an evil. Shakespeare also takes a swipe at it and says that a young man married is a young man marred. Finally, there's Pongulo who notes that marriage and murder both begin with M. By now, you should have a pretty good idea of what our story is going to encompass. Mrs. Cobham, you have survived Six husbands. Six? That is correct, Mr. Poindexter. All of them died less than two years after their marriage to you. I is that not true, Mrs. Pilbeam? Yes, that is true. Uh, each of them was insured. Is that not a fact? That is a fact. Uh, <clears throat> tell me, uh, how do you account for it, Mrs. Pilbeam? Coincidence, Mr. Poindexter. Coincidence. Our mystery drama, Lady Bluebeard, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Fred Gwynn. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule. I'll be back shortly with Act One. to Charles Dickens, Bluebeard may have been a victim of excessive connubiality, which would mean, I suppose, that it was married life that drove him to do it. Ah, yes, married life, wedded bliss. However, putting aside the poets and romantics for the moment, marriage is whatever you make of it. It is an edifice constructed by a man and a woman, and there are those who erect a magnificent cathedral Others who slap together a ramshackle shanty. We're back at the turn of the century. You wish to see me, Poindexter? Uh, yes, Mr. Hotchkiss. Well, uh, have a chair. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, now then... Uh, in reference to this claim, sir. Which claim, Poindexter? The company has over 50,000 policyholders. Be definite. Uh, yes, sir. And brisk. I should think your recent term of service with Colonel Roosevelt's cavalry regiment would have taught you to be brisk. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's a brisk man, that Theodore Roosevelt. Indeed he is, sir. Well, then emulate him. Plunge in. Forge ahead. State the issue with no further ado. Present the facts. Uh, well, sir, there may not be any facts. No facts? Uh, no facts as such. Um, uh, I, I, I am merely voicing suspicions. Suspicions? Oh, I, I, I see now I am mistaken. Therefore, I, I shall waste no more of your time, sir. No, 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 no. Suspicions are the lifeblood more, the beating heart, as it were, of the insurance business. Why, sometimes one healthy, robust suspicion is worth more than a hundred weak and anemic facts. Dive in, my boy. What have you got there? The uh, company holds a policy, sir, in the life of one Ebenezer Pillbeam. Continue. In the amount of $2,000. A modest sum. Payable on his death to his beneficiary, his wife, one Luana Pillbeam. 
And the aforementioned Mr. Pillbeam has just departed this veil of tears. He has indeed, sir. Ah. And the bereaved spouse, the aforementioned Mrs. Luana Pillbeam, has just submitted a claim for payment. Yes, sir. Well, then I suppose we shall have to pay it. Unless there's some way we can do her out of it. Legally, of course. Oh, uh, uh, you don't mean that seriously, Mr. Hoskins. You're joking, sir. The policy is in order, I take it? Oh, yes, sir. Then, with a smiling face, but a breaking heart, I must authorize the payment. Prepare the check for my signature. Yes, sir. Unless, of course, there may be something to your suspicions. Uh, well, sir, Mr. Pillbeam was 70. Yes, he left us in the fullness of his years, the biblical three score and ten. Whereas, uh, Mrs. Pillbeam is 35. Uh-huh. They had only been married for two years, sir. Continue. Therefore, at the time of the wedding, she was 35. He was 67. Now, sir, why would a woman wish to marry a man more than twice her age? Why? Well, there are two reasons. First, because she may have been attracted by his maturity, his wisdom, his kindness. Second, she may have been attracted by his fortune. And if he were a weak and sickly 67, she would not have to wait long. Yes, sir. And, however, sir, Mr. Pilbeam had neither education nor fortune. He was employed as a streetcar conductor. Cause of death? Heart attack. And this, of course, kindles your suspicions. Yes, sir. Uh, there is no history of any heart ailment. He was known to have been in good physical condition, sir, even for a man of his years. Indeed, you might say he was notorious for his good health. Uh, what you're saying, then, is that he did not die of a heart attack. Uh, that is what I am suspecting, sir. Mm. And how do you suspect Mr. Pillbeam met with his untimely end? Poison. Administered by whom? His wife. Mrs. Luana Pillbeam? Yes, sir. For $2,000? Right, sir. Isn't that a rather modest sum? If I may uh, refresh your memory, sir, this is the second time you use the word modest to describe the sum of $2,000. Oh, so I have. Would a woman murder her husband for $2,000? Uh, she might, sir. And precisely because it is a modest sum, one that would not draw attention, cause comment, create suspicion. Furthermore, it also gives her an income... Of a thousand dollars a year. For two years? Sir, <laughs> two years ago, a Mrs. Louisa Plowright cashed a policy for two thousand dollars on the life of her husband, Harold. Mrs. Plowright was thirty-three years old. Four years ago, a Mrs. Laverne Preston was paid two thousand dollars on the death of her husband, Percy. Mrs. Preston was thirty-one, sir. Are you saying that Luana Pillbeam, Louisa Plowright, and Laverne Preston may be one and the same person? And two years before that, sir, a Mrs. Lillian Pumice collected $2,000 on the death of her husband, Leander. <clears throat> Mrs. Pumice was 29 years old, sir. And I am to assume that all the husbands were elderly gentlemen? Yes, sir. And all passed away from heart attacks? So the physicians stated, sir. How do you account for the fact that she seems to marry men whose names begin with P? Uh, well, sir, it would seem 
then to be unnecessary for her to change the monogram on her linens and silver. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Poindexter, what is your recommendation? I suggest, sir, that we investigate the matter thoroughly before we pay Mrs. Pilbeam a penny. My name is Raymond Netherby Poindexter. When people discover that I'm an investigator for an insurance company, they always say, well, you certainly don't look like an insurance investigator. And uh, when they find out I was a member of the Colonel Theodore Roosevelt's Rough Riders, they exclaim, well, you certainly don't look like a Rough Rider. Well, you see, the truth is, I, I really don't look like anyone. Which is what an investigator should look like, if you know what I mean. Anyhow, the first thing I did was to call upon Dr. Morley Braithwaite. <laughs> Miss Poindexter, you certainly don't look like an insurance investigator. <laughs> uh, Dr. Braithwaite, you signed a death certificate for a Mr. Ebenezer Pilbeam. Uh, yes, yes, I did. Uh, may I ask, Doctor, why did you sign it? Well, I signed it because he was dead. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, 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 what I meant was... Now, please, was... be specific, my good man. Uh, yes, sir. The specificity. The cornerstone and the linchpin, as it were, of all science. I, I agree, Doctor. Then what is your specific question? Hmm? Uh, why was he dead? Because his heart had stopped beating. Uh, yes, sir. I, I, I believe that occurs in all cases of death. Uh, what I mean was, why did his heart stop beating? Ah, if we only knew. Uh, but on the certificate, Doctor, you wrote heart attack. No, not quite. Specifically, I wrote cardiac failure. Doesn't that imply heart attack? Well, if you choose to make that inference. Um, why, Doctor, was the cardiac failure? I've already answered that question. Or specifically, I told you why I cannot answer that question. I, I don't know. Uh, doctor, do you mean Mr. Pilbeam died just like that? Well, I'm afraid so. Uh, but, Doctor, is there a possibility that Mr. Pilbeam might have been poisoned? Yes. Well, Doctor, your report makes no mention of that fact. Well, you asked me if there was a possibility. The answer to that question was always be yes. Anything is possible. However, I could find no evidence. I see. Would you state categorically, Doctor, that Mr. Pilbeam was not killed by a poison? I would only state categorically that Mr. Pilbeam died because his heart stopped beating. Mm -hmm. And you do not suspect foul play? I could suspect foul play, but I couldn't prove it. But I would never rule it out. Yes, yes. I see. Um, well, thank you very much, Dr. Braithwaite. That is in help. Actually, it was of no help at all. That is, to my insurance company. And so I decided to visit the recently bereaved widow, Mrs. Joanna Pilbeam, herself. Perhaps I couldn't prove that she had actually poisoned her husband or murdered him in some other mysterious manner. But I might know enough to frighten her out of her demanding payment. I, I was not prepared for the Mrs. Luana Pilbeam who opened the door to me. She had soft, flowing black hair, radiant, creamy skin, oh, and the largest, warmest brown eyes. I introduced myself and she said... Oh, Mr. Raymond Netherby Point Dexter... You certainly don't look like an insurance investigator. Uh, uh, may, may, may I come in? Certainly. Please, be seated. Thank you. 
such a hot day. May I pour you a glass of lemonade? Uh, lemonade? No, 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 no. No, no thank you. Uh-huh. Well, I suppose you're here about poor Ebenezer? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> Mr. Pilbeam was somewhat older than you, I take it. Mm, 33 years, to be exact. Uh-huh. It would seem to be a rather wide gulf. Oh, but love spans it so easily. Uh, may I ask how... How, how, how you... I fell in love with Mr. Pilby? Well, he drove the horse car that I would board each morning. He was such a handsome gentleman. <laughs> I dare say. And he cracked his whip and twirled his mustache with such panache that I lost my heart completely. Uh, he died quite unexpectedly. Oh, no one ever dies unexpectedly, Mr. Poindexter. Is it not written, in the midst of life, we are in death. Ah, yes. Um, had Mr. Pilbeam been ill? Oh, no, 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 no. He was a picture of glowing health. He had an outdoor job, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, how did it happen? One evening we went to bed, as usual. The following morning I woke up. He didn't. Uh, Mrs. Pilbeam, the insurance company has received your request for payment. Oh, yes. I really didn't. Still don't feel entirely comfortable about it. Uh, may I ask why? Well, it seems so crass. A man dies. His widow is given a sum of money. As if that somehow balances the books and settles the account. Oh, it's the way of the world. And yet, what is a poor woman to do? It is Ebenezer's gift to me. From the grave. His way of saying, carry on, my darling... Live. I see. Uh, you have, therefore, presented the insurance company with a claim for $2,000. Yes, I have. And uh, no doubt you are under the impression that I have arrived here for the purpose of presenting you with the check? I would assume this would be the object of your visit. Uh, the object of my visit is to offer you a bargain. A bargain, Mr. Poindexter? Withdraw your claim. Yes? And in return... I can promise that you shall not be sent to prison. Now, what kind of offer is that? Is it one that she cannot refuse? Suddenly, we're playing showdown. We know, or we think we know, the high cards he happens to be holding. What aces does she have in her hand or up her sleeve? Wait just a few minutes, and then we shall deal you the second act. As Mr. Carlyle put it, no man lives without jostling and being jostled. In all ways, he has to elbow himself through the world, giving and receiving offense. Certainly our Mr. Raymond Netherby Poindexter has chosen a profession where he gives offense and jostles people. Now, are we about to see how he himself reacts to being on the receiving end? Uh, permit me, Mr. Poindexter, to restate your proposition. If I withdraw my claim to my husband's insurance money, you will promise that I shall not be sent to prison. Yes, Mrs. Pilbeam. And why should I be sent to prison? Fraud. Ah. Uh, may I have your answer? Or do you require a short interval of time to consider? So, 
Your name is Raymond Netherby Poindexter. A trace of Scottish ancestry there. Am I correct? Uh, Mrs. Philby, the subject of this discussion is not whether... Netherby, a famous Highland name. Uh, I would assume so. Probably on your mother's side. Am I correct? Yes, her, her name was Netherby. Now, see here. What, you recall what? Sir Walter Scott's poem... Lockenbar. Uh, Mrs. Pilbeam. Oh, young Lockenbar has come out of the West. The next line? Uh, uh, throughout the wide border, his steed is the best. See, you do know it. Uh, yes, my mother used to recite it all the time. Because she was a Netherby. Oh, the poor Netherbys. They were on the losing side, remember? Well, I... Bold Lockenbar was in love with fair Ellen Netherby. But fearing him dead, she had decided to marry someone else. How did Scott put it? Um, for a laggard in love and a dastard in war had won the fair Ellen of bold Lockenbar. Right! He came to Netherby Hall too late to stop the wedding, and so he stayed to have one dance with the bride. And he whispered one word into her ear, and he swept her up onto his horse, and they were away. Yes, and now, Mrs. Pilgrim please, to the matter at hand. But just a moment the Netherbees were taken by surprise, but then the angry pursuit began. And oh, how Scott describes it. There was mounting amongst grains of the Netherby clan. Fosters, Fenwicks, and Musgraves. They rode and they ran. Help me with the next line, Mr. Poindexter. There was racing and chasing on Canaby Lee. But the lost bride of Netherby, they did never more see. Oh... Such exciting poetry. Yes, yes, yes. And now... And now uh, for a confession. We are distantly related. Your mother, you say, was a Netherby? Uh, yes, but... My uh, mother was a Fenwick. Do you know what else? My father was a Foster. I have cousins who are Musgraves. Oh, we are died in the world, clan Netherbees. Oh, we must have a toast. Uh, 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 oh, you do not I... take spirituous beverages. I understand. I approve. Uh, lemonade. Uh, if it's all the same to you, I'd really rather... But it not... isn't all the same to me. We must pledge a toast to our newly discovered relationship. The Netherbees. You don't like the lemonade? No, no, I, I, um, I do. It just seems a, a bit tart. Oh, well, you see. I put something in there. You, you, you put something in there? Mm -hmm. A tiny little secret ingredient of my very, very own. Really? Well, what, what, what? Oh, no, no, it's no use asking. I'll never tell. Uh, Mrs. Probeam, I shall not be distracted. Uh, I know your secret. My secret? You have married a series of men, and then you have proceeded to murder each of them for the insurance money. Murder? Oh, dear me. You deny it? Were you not also married to a Mr. Harold Plowright, to, to a Mr. Percy Preston, and to a Mr. Leander Pumice? Of course. Huh? You admit it? Well, you left out Mr. Beauregard Parrish, and also Mr. Hubert Pollard. You admit that there were others? Were there? Let me think for a moment. No. Beauregard and Hubert complete the list. Isn't it coincidental that each of the men you marry takes out an insurance policy 
and names you the beneficiary. Most married men who can afford it buy insurance for their wives. Yes, but most of them don't die. Oh, I must correct you. All of them die eventually. No, 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 no. What what I meant was they don't all die within two years after marriage, as all your husbands did. I have been unfortunate. Mr. Ebenezer Pilbeam should have been your sixth husband. A lady doesn't keep count. But now that you mention it, Six would be the right number. These men were all elderly. Elderly, a relative term. Now, if I were to... No, 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 no. We shall not be distracted again. We shall pursue the matter at hand. Which is? We all know what you are doing. Really? Yes. You marry a man, he insures his life, and then you, you murder him. I believe we've already made that statement. Uh, 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 now then, the latest is Mr. Pilbeam. Oh, Dr. Braithwaite found death due to natural causes. <laughs> Let us say you were able to fool Dr. Braithwaite. Fool him? Uh-huh. You were careful. You employed a substance that is not easily traced. Were you as careful all the other times? <laughs> what would happen if those cases were to be opened up again? What could happen? Uh, Mrs. Pilbeam. I offer both of us a way to cut our losses. You forget to press your claim, and we forget to investigate the past. Now, what is your answer? But I have nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Consider it. Sleep on it. I shall return tomorrow for your answer, and now I must bid you good day. Must you go so soon? Won't you have another glass of... Lemonade. Uh, well, I... Before I could say another word, she had poured from the pitcher and refilled my glass. The lemonade, huh, it was delicious. But it seemed to have a strange tart taste. Strange, but extremely pleasant. Delightfully different. An entirely new sensation. And, uh... She herself said. Oh, yes. I put something in it. A tiny little secret ingredient of my very own. Yes. But what was that ingredient? Why had she been so anxious to have me drink that lemonade? Was it poisoned? <laughs> if not poisoned, perhaps drugged in some fashion? But would she dare? <laughs> Why not? Uh, she'd already put away six husbands, and after all, didn't I represent a threat? Yes. Yes, there was something. My my head felt feverish. My pulse was pounding. I I I could feel difficulty in breathing. What had she done? There's something wrong. Your face seems flushed. It's uh it's perhaps uh it's uh it, it's warm in here. Warm? I hadn't noticed. Indeed I thought it was a rather mild day. Yes, yes, it's mild, but isn't it? It's, 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 it's a bit stuffy. Oh, you must permit me to open some windows. Oh, no, 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 don't, don't, don't bother. I'm, I, I must be leaving. Perhaps another glass of lemonade? Oh, no, 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 no. Thank you. Uh, good, uh, good day, Mrs. Pilbeam. Uh, what is it, Doctor? What is it? Your face appears flushed. I, I, I can see that in the mirror. Your pulse is rapid. That, I can feel that, Doctor, without being told. You're feverish. It's obvious. 
Should that not have alerted you on your very first swallow? No, sir. I, 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 you I, said I, I, it was a peculiar taste. A, a, a peculiar in the sense of being different, sir. Uh, new. Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, the basic meaning of peculiar is, I, I believe, sir, unique to itself. Thank you for that enlightenment, Poindexter. What's done is done. However, inscribe it as a rule. When a woman has disposed of six husbands, one does not readily partake of refreshment in her parlor. Yes, sir. I should like to live to obey that rule, sir. And so you shall. Uh, sir, are, are you saying that... Poindexter, you... I am saying that you are saved. Oh, uh, Mr. Hotchkiss. How? this awful, this almost insoluble problem, and it turns out that there can be a very simple solution. Of course, it's quite logical. The most difficult appearing questions usually have the most uncomplicated answers. I shall return with Act Three. It was 
Titus Lucretius Carus, the Roman philosopher who said, what is meat and drink to one is bitter poison to another. He said it almost 2,000 years ago. And as you can see, those arrangements are still in force. Has Luana Pilbeam discovered some strange, subtle, untraceable, fatal substance? How, Mr. Hodgkiss? Please, tell me. How am I saved? The thing is simplicity itself. You require a sample of that lemonade. Uh, uh, yes, sir. I, I thought we did, we, we'd established that. And she, quite naturally, will refuse to furnish you with one. Uh, understandably so. So there's another possibility. You might steal it. Steal it, sir? The problem will be solved. But, 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 but to steal it, it, uh, it does go against the grain, sir. Whose grain? Well, mine. Why? Uh, Mr. Hotchkiss, I was raised to despise theft. A most noble sentiment. Does your parents credit? And so, therefore, I could never see my. But way is to... this stealing in the traditional sense? Well, if... you do not seek to enrich yourself. That's true. And besides, the woman is attempting to murder you. Yes. So, therefore, you may proceed with a clear conscience. I would. Uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. That's true. But, but suppose I'm caught, sir. Caught? And suppose someone were to see me and call the police. A possibility. Or suppose she were to discover me in the act. Another possibility. But uh, even so, I have nothing to fear. <laughs> of course not. I could, I could say, sir, I had not intended to rob the house of any variables. I was there in the line of duty. I beg your pardon. Yes, and I had been advised by my employer to steal the lemonade. But you were not so advised, Poindexter. D didn't you just tell me to steal the lemonade? I. I would suggest such an illegal, reprehensible act. But, sir, you, 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 you just... Oh, no, my boy, no. We were merely discussing possibilities. There are an infinite number of these. I hold no particular brief any of them. But, sir, if the police ask me why... why you why... will have to get out of it as best you can. For if the police ask me, I shall deny completely any responsibility. But, Mr. Hotchkiss... My boy, use your head. Keep your wits. There's no reason why you should be caught. And besides... It's your only chance. Yes, it was my only chance. And how well I knew it. And so that very evening, I waited till all was quiet and dark. I made my way to Luana Pilbeam's home. The doors were locked, but fortunately I found a partially open window in the rear of the house. I was able to make my way inside. And there I was in the kitchen. I found the icebox and the pitcher of lemonade. I was putting some in a small bottle when suddenly I became aware of a light in the room and a voice. Why, it's Mr. Point Dexter. Mr. Raymond Nellaby Point Dexter. Oh, uh, uh, Mrs. Pilbeam. You're having some lemonade, I see. Yes, yes, I must apologize for this intrusion. Uh, you see, the lemonade was so delicious, I simply had to have some more. Uh, yes, and uh, so uh, I did not wish to disturb you at this hour. Uh, therefore, I, well, uh, you must forgive me. There need be no forgiveness when there is no offense. Oh, that is most generous. Are you taking some home with you, I see? Uh, yes, in the event that I should have an uncontrollable urge. Oh, <laughs> please, take some more. Oh, no, 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 I should not wish to impose. I have a sudden desire for a glass myself. Please join me. Oh, but really, I... Oh, I, I, I do so hate to imbibe alone. 
I've always been a very social person, but you see, being a widow, one loses so many of one's friends. Uh, I'm sure you must have have many. Oh, not really. One becomes a fifth wheel. Here, a nice, tall, cool glass. A nice, tall, cool glass. (laughs) One that contained the poison or the drug or, or whatever it was. She knew why I was there. She knew why I'd taken a sample of the lemonade. Was this how she planned to stop me? Would she poison me before I could leave the house? And now, a glass for me. Oh, we must drink to something. What shall it be? Well, I... Of course. To Clan Netherby, the Highland Pride. To Clan Netherby. A great weight lifted off my heart. The lemonade could not be poisoned. Not if she was going to drink some herself. It came from the same pitcher she had used early in the day. It was half full, which meant it was the same lemonade. Oh, what a relief. But, oh, then the weight fell on me again. Of course, she was drinking the same lemonade. Since she knew what the poison was, she had already fortified herself with the antidote. I, I sipped slowly. Oh, and again the symptoms attacked me. I felt flushed. I knew my pulses were racing. My heart was beating violently. I... I stood up. Must you go so soon? I shall return, Mrs. Bilbeam. I shall expect you, Mr. Poindexter. Dr. Braithwaite. Dr. Braithwaite. Making that infernal racket at this time of night. Dr. Braithwaite, it's a matter of life and death. All right, all right, I'm coming. Why, it's Mr. Uh, Point Dexter. What brings you here this time of night? My office hours I, are... I, I, I have the lemonade, Doctor. What? The uh, lemonade? Uh, Mrs. Pilbeam's poisoned lemonade. Has it been definitely established that the lemonade is poisoned? That's what you said you could discover if I brought you a sample. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's my soul, of course. Uh, please, uh, please, hurry, Doctor. I'm, I'm, I'm sick. Uh, yes, come this way, Rick. Uh, I'm even sicker. I've just had some more to drink, Doctor. Well, how could you do that, knowing that the lemonade is at least suspicious? Oh, it's a long story, Doctor. Can you analyze this lemonade quickly? Well, let us step into my laboratory and we shall see what we can do. Have you discovered anything, Doctor? And now we apply heat, and we... Uh, uh, what is it, Doctor? We add the dye. Uh, uh, please, Doctor, tell me. What? Tell you? Uh, tell me what is in the lemonade. Mr. Poindexter, there is nothing in the lemonade. What? Nothing? Nothing but lemonade. But... but, but... But that's impossible, Doctor. Lemon, sugar, and water, and of course, to give it a dash of substance, some cinnamon and ginger. That is all? And to give it a dash of spirit, some bitters. Uh, and and nothing else? No, my boy, nothing else. <laughs> what an interesting lemonade. But, but what is... what is poisoning me? I'm afraid I don't know. Something is giving me this... this terrible pounding in my chest. 
It cannot be the lemonade. Uh, could there be a drug or, or a poison in there that has managed to evade your detection? Now, I would stake my professional reputation on the fact that this lemonade, this delicious lemonade, is completely innocent of any poison or drug. And to prove it... Oh, no, 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 don't, don't drink it. Oh. Oh, as I thought. Divine. The bitters are what does it. Uh, doctor, how, 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 do you, how do you feel? Marvelous. But look at me. Oh, yes. You do appear a bit out of sorts. You need a drink. Here, try some of this lemonade. You can't be serious. It'll make you feel better in no time. Drink up. And before I knew what I was doing, I had taken a glass of lemonade he pressed into my hand and swallowed most of it. And, and then, then it dawned on me. Of course, it was a plot. They were in it together. He, he had been helping her. He had supplied her with the drug. He had fooled me. Why? For the money? Perhaps, but, but more likely because they were lovers. And I had never suspected it. What could I do? It was probably too late to do anything. And, and yet, what was the matter with me? The pounding in my heart was easing a bit. My, my forehead felt cooler. My, my pulses no longer seemed to be racing. Well, I must say, that lemonade appears to have done you quite a bit of good. Feel better? Yes, I... I can't explain it. I, I do seem to feel better. Uh, that should prove the lemonade is harmless. I don't feel any of your former symptoms. I, but I can't account for it. I, I know it's the same lemonade. The same lemonade, you say? Yes, and this is the very first time I drank it without that feeling of that... of that feeling of, of that, that, that feverish feeling. Uh, tell me, Mr. Poindexter, uh, is it also the first time you drank the lemonade without Mrs. Pilbeam being present? Yes. Then... Perhaps it wasn't the lemonade. What could it have been? <laughs> Can't you guess? No. Why, it must have been Mrs. Pilbeam. Mrs. Pilbeam? Of course. Mrs. Pilbeam causes you to have a fever, a racing pulse, and a pounding heart. But, 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 but why would she have a... How, how could she do that? Oh, come on. What do you think? You're in love with her. Love? Okay. That's ridiculous. How can you say that? I've never been in love. I, I, I have no intention of being in love. Now you asked me to isolate the fever and name the ailment. I have done so. You have an acute case of amour. <laughs> I, I, I don't believe it. Well, test it for yourself. Visit her again. Do not drink lemonade. And see if you suffer from the same symptoms. glass of lemonade, Mr. Poindexter. Uh, no. I must refuse. Uh, steadfastly. Oh, is something wrong, Mr. Poindexter? You seem flushed. Is it warm in here? Uh, Mrs. Pilbeam, my, my heart it, it is pounding very hard. Oh, Mr. Poindexter. Why? I, I have a weakness. My, my, my heart is not of the strongest. Oh, but you appear in such robust health. Can you forgive me for those evil things I said about you? I have long since forgotten them. You see, I know the secret ingredient you put into the lemonade, and I know why Dr. Braithwaite couldn't find it. Only I could find it. 
Only you. Only me. And, and Mr. Pollard. And Mr. Parrish. And Mr. Pumice. And Mr. Preston. And Mr. Plowright. And Mr. Pilbeam. We all discovered it. We knew what it is. Do you, Mr. Poindexter? And so do you. It is... Love. Love? Yes. Love. Delightful. Delirious love. I... I love you, Mrs. Pilbeam. And I love you, Mr. Poindexter. Shall we toast each other in another glass of lemonade? Was it in her eyes, or was it a secret drug in the lemonade? Was she a warm, wonderful woman, or or a scheming murderess? The fact is, she had killed six husbands. Perhaps she had killed them with love. Yes, that was it. That was how it was done. And I was to become the seventh. Well, it wasn't the worst way in the world to die. But uh, what could ever I write in the report to Mr. Hotchkiss? Dear Mr. Hotchkiss, this is to inform you that I intend to marry a woman who has collected insurance money on six dead husbands. If I become the seventh, please pay her the value of the policy. I shall have died happily. Well, that's what we would have written in our report. I shall also have another report for you in just a few moments. text for this day comes from the poet Longus, who in the third century wrote, There was never any yet that wholly could escape love, and never shall there be any as long as beauty shall be and as long as eyes can see. Since it's in the cards for everyone to fall in love, you should be well advised to be careful whom you fall in love with. I'm sure you'll pay no attention to this advice. Since the poet also said, that love and folly go hand in hand. Our cast included Fred Gwynn, Marion Haley, and Robert Dryden. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. I'm, I'm scared. Oh, what? Read it this way. The guy really is the boy from down there, old Nick. Or Max out to be. How could he touch you? You don't believe in all that junk, do you? When it comes, we have to lay it on the line, I don't know. Come on, Moella. We were brought up right. We go to early mass every day. And all the high masses, we can make holidays. We confess. Do we believe all the way? I don't know. Suddenly, I'm scared I made a deal for the best part of me. Just because I wanted to be top dog in the circus. Maybe you shouldn't fly tonight. I think what you need is a good rest. Maybe some aspirin. No, no, I'll fly. But after I'm going to have a talk with the man, get my head straightened out. I just realized it. <laughs> my whole life is riding on just how real Diablo is. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.